Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, is the world really ready for this? In honor of National Beer Day, the Findlay Brewing Company has tapped into artificial intelligence to create an all-new ale. Is that really the proper use of AI technology? We'll have some fun with FBC's Aaron Osborne. Also this morning, just like turkeys at Thanksgiving and pumpkins at Halloween, Easter is the biggest season of the year for egg producers, and you might be surprised at just how big it is. And we have a special collection of recipes for your Easter gathering from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, April 7th, 2023. We're coming up on, you know, I mean, this is spring break time for uh, a, a lot of folks and um, kids are out of school. They're going to be out of school for good here in the not too distant future. We've got summer break coming up. Uh, a new survey uh, asked 2000 adults, what do you miss most about your childhood? Um, and most of the most of the responses uh, revolve around. The fun parts of childhood, probably not surprisingly, uh, not surprisingly, uh, respondents miss playing, playing in the park, getting pocket money, watching TV after school, summer break, having their cooking done for them. <laughs> the most fun age, um, according to the survey, nine years old. And uh, 56% of those in the survey say they have just lost their sense of fun as adults. That's the thing they lament most about their childhood. As adults, they say instead of waking up optimistic, we generally wake up thinking about the weather, thinking about work, thinking about making money and how we're going to pay the bills, all of those adult things. Adulting is hard, as it turns out. Um, So the uh, survey commissioned by Tropicana Brands, uh, they say we want to remind people to bring a sense of that childlike fun and sunshine to the day. And the reason I mentioned the reason I mentioned this is because I happened to see uh, a research uh, study, a story about a research study out of Michigan State University um, where they looked at the number the numbers of, of people having kids. About one in five adults do not want children and they don't regret their decision not to have children when they're older, according to this study. Uh, 1.7 million adults, and they looked at just the state of Michigan, but 1.7 million adults, or 20.9% of those in the study, do not want kids. And those most likely to be to want to be child-free are white and male. I don't know if that means anything. Um Now, again, it just looked at the state of Michigan, but the researchers point out Michigan is demographically similar to the United States as a whole. So this could mean, they say, 50 to 60 million Americans are child-free. And the question then becomes, do those adults later regret their choice not to have kids? And uh, the researchers said we found no evidence, no evidence that older child-free adults experience any more life regret than older adults who do have children. So no more regrets uh, in life. Uh, In fact, parents 
the parents in the group were slightly more likely to want to change something about their their life. So it appears maybe the uh, parents, or the uh, adults with children, uh, were more likely to express <laughs> regret that they had kids. So the survey about what we miss about our childhood, apparently we miss the fun things about our childhood, but not enough to want kids ourselves. I don't know what that means, but uh, thought it was was kind of interesting there. Just uh, something interesting to start your day with. Some of the uh, most buzzworthy stories of the day, the first things you need to know this morning. Uh, this was an interesting survey, about 8,500 People in this survey from around the world, 2,000 of them American, found that 43% have asked for financial help in the last year. We talk about adults. One of the first things we think about when we wake up in the morning these days is money and how we're going to pay the bills. And there's always that uh, concern lingering in the back of our mind. 43% of adults uh, asked for financial help in the last year. And of those who asked for help, 57% asked their parents, 15% asked their child. <laughs> but of course, if you don't have kids, then you can't ask them for money later. So maybe that's one uh, <laughs> reason to have kids, is it? Um, anyway, they go on to say 56% uh, of those in the survey have a side hustle to make ends meet, uh, to deal with the rising cost of living, be less reliant on a single source of income and uh, they have a uh, side hustle to just have a little extra disposable income. Millennials more likely to say they're struggling to pay for necessities compared to baby boomers. Uh, the American respondents in this survey, again, it was a global survey, but American respondents say that they would need to earn on average $404 more per month in order to live comfortably. They're about 400 bucks shy every month of being where they really would like to be. So, interesting. There, there you go. That's why you should have kids, so you can ask them for money later. That's uh, speaking of money, you know, at, at the risk of ruining the fact that we're coming into a holiday weekend and all of that, you know, next week is the last week to file your taxes. If you haven't done this, if you've been uh, procrastinating, uh, time is really running short uh, at this point. The Internal Revenue Service uh, said yesterday it is adding nearly 30,000 new staffers uh, over the next two years. It's going to add 30,000 more people, and they're going to roll out new technology, part of an $80 billion investment plan to improve tax enforcement and customer service, they say. More than 8,000 of the new hires will be enforcement staff, and yet the new IRS commissioner says there's no reason for the average taxpayer to worry about an increase in audits. Danny Werfel unveiled uh, the agency's plan to modernize and expand their staff. Uh... But he said that the agency is taking a new wave of audits off the table for those who get W-2s, Social Security payments, or have small businesses. So, yes, they're hiring 30,000 new staff over the next couple of years, but don't worry, no additional audits. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry at all. No reason to worry. There's nothing to see here. Uh, let's see. So it is Friday, and uh, maybe you're going out this weekend. 
having some fun with friends, meeting up with some friends ahead of the holiday, whatever. It always seems like uh, right before big uh, holidays that involve family gatherings, Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> the, the Friday before uh, or the Saturday before, uh, always seem to be big times to go out with friends, maybe <laughs> to counterbalance all of that extra time with family. Um, but if you have ever found yourself skipping out on a night with uh, night out with friends, uh, and instead just going home and getting some sleep, believe it or not, those two things may be more linked than you thought. According to researchers, the University of Vienna, being lonely actually saps your energy. While the exact mechanics to explain the correlation there are still a mystery, scientists say the effect is real. Uh, and they observed it particularly during COVID when we were locked down and we weren't able to socialize. People generally uh, were more tired, had less energy. They theorize that the human body lowers energy levels when it is isolated because we are, by our very nature, social creatures. So when we are isolated, the human body lowers its energy levels in the same way that the body tries to conserve resources uh, when it's being starved. So we're being starved of companionship. Uh, our body naturally lowers our energy uh, use and that's why we are more so if you're lonely and tired those two things are related well that was kind of interesting and uh, one other item here among the first things you need to know this morning the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day apparently there is a big controversy with us uh, going on with starbucks uh new uh coffee uh, I don't, I'm not a big coffee person, so I don't know uh, all of the details here, but what I'm uh, given to understand is that they have new olive oil drinks. The coffee chain has, has slowly been introducing a new line of olive oil infused drinks, and now those who have tried them are taking to social media to share their thoughts. Apparently, <laughs> the uh, reviews... Uh, give a whole new meaning to the term bottoms up. Uh, one person online said, um, I'm wondering how many people uh, are experiencing a similar, similar result as we did at our office. Half the team who tried this new drink yesterday ended up needing to uh, <clears throat> use the restroom, urgently use the restroom, if you know what I mean, this uh, person writes. Another response uh, noted that caffeine is a stimulant uh, and oil is a relaxant. So if you have coffee infused with olive oil, a caffeine drink with olive oil, <laughs> stimulating your bowels and oil is a relaxant, you can tell what happens next. Um, another person said it's like they intentionally want people to blow up their bathrooms. Um but it is not a universal reaction. Others said that uh, they have tried all of these drinks, loved them, had no problems whatsoever. So you can make of that what you will, but I definitely wanted to make sure that you're aware, put this out here as a public service, <laughs> put this out there this morning, uh, 
that if you are thinking of trying Starbucks' new olive oil-infused drinks, be prepared. There may be some uh, <clears throat> interesting side effects. You know what I mean. So, uh, very important things to know. Uh, first thing on your Friday morning. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny today, a high of 53. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 34. The Finley Police Department is seeking help from the public and identifying some credit card theft suspects. The police department says the males in the store surveillance pictures that you can see on our website used several stolen credit cards to make purchases at area stores. Anybody with information about the suspects should contact Finley Police or Crime Stoppers. Again, you can see store surveillance pictures of those suspects on our website. Ohio lawmakers are pushing Norfolk Southern to help Sandusky recover from a train derailment there last year. Senators Sherrod Brown and J.D. Vance and Representative Marcy Kaptur sent a letter to the rail company. In it, they demand Norfolk Southern take responsibility and pay all costs to repair the roads and sewer system. WTOL 11's Melissa Andrews reporting. Hancock Public Health is recognizing those in the community who have gone above and beyond to advance their mission for community health and wellness. The health department recently honored the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation, its board, and its leadership as the 2022 Public Health Partner Champion. Community Foundation President and CEO Brian Tree says they're proud to partner with the health department. The mission of the Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation is to improve the quality of life for all in the community. Health is a major part of quality of life, and we've invested in Hancock Public Health for that very reason. At a ceremony earlier this week, the health department also honored Jeannie Plager as their 2022 public health champion. Jeannie's a resident of Marion Township and was instrumental in coordinating community immunizations and disease prevention. Get more on the website. A new report gives a look at how much money Ohio State is spending to get the top football recruits. Last year, the Buckeyes spent $1.3 million. That's according to USA Today. While $1.3 million may sound like a lot, OSU is not the top spender. That team up north, they lead all Big Ten teams, spending $2.2 million for last year's recruits. And by the way, Ohio State will start the season with one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. I'm Tracy Townsend. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Okay, so our cover story this morning, as we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, I'm not entirely sure that the world is ready for this, but in honor of National Beer Day today, the Findlay Brewing Company has created... An AI ale. Uh, Aaron Osborne, the Finley Brewing Company, is uh, with us uh, this morning from the Finley Brewing Company uh, live via Zoom. And uh, so you're actually going to start brewing this uh, today. It's not going to be actually available for a while because it obviously takes a long uh, takes a while to uh, to do this. But you start brewing it today. Have you? Uh, done like a sample batch to to taste test this to know how it's going to turn out or are you flying blind on this to a certain extent like everybody else well um uh, first of all thank you for having us here um not flying blind i was very curious when i hopped in the chat gpt to see what it would kind of give me and i did not want to give it much direction at all um it would have been fun to brew 
some crazy, weird, completely disgusting <laughs> thing. I think that they spit out to me, but, um, but no, I wanted to, I made sure like, okay, I think this could be a good beer. Okay. Um, um, but no, we have not, I've not brewed it today. So, it's just a test match. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the first that this, anybody yeah. will have had this. So, uh, right. well, second, kind of start at the beginning. Where did the idea come from? Oh, I don't know. Out of my brain, you know, it's <laughs> a lot of people probably are, you know, have been playing around with chat GPT or other AI tools or mm -hmm. hearing AI tools in the news and what kind of revolution that's going to be uh, for the world. Um, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. And I've had fun hopping in there for other reasons. And I thought, well, you know what, can this thing make a beer for me? So I asked it, I'm like, can you make me a beer? And I was like, sure, I'll make you a beer. So that's kind of how it started. And uh, so how much guidance did you actually have to give it to come yeah, up with an acceptable recipe? Mm -hmm. I had to give it some guidance. So, you know, it'll spit out a recipe for initially it gives you a recipe for like a five gallon, you know, homebrew setup. And I'm right. like, oh, but, you know, I need to scale this up a bit. Can you scale it for me? And it'll be like, sure. And then it'll it gave me wild numbers. It's like, OK, well, I had 2000 pounds, which is totally <laughs> off of what I was telling it to do. So, you know, I had to work with a little bit to get it down to a way that 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 I can use it to scale properly for, mm -hmm. for my needs. But, you know, so I had to coerce it a little bit, but, um, for the most part, I just hopped in there and said, Hey, make me a beer. And it said, well, tell me about your brewery. And I said, Oh, my, my customers love this, 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 we love this. And it was like, well, how about this? And I'm like, this sounds great. But then, you know, I wanted a little something extra. And I was like, would this be a good addition? And I was like, yeah, I think that would be a good addition, but why don't you do it this way? And I was like, sure. So I, I, basically 100% took its guidance for the brew. So uh, it, it sounds like it was uh, a collaboration that was not unlike you would have with right. a human uh, collaborator. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly how I approached it as a true collaboration. Yeah. And uh, so you you said you haven't tasted it. Uh, this would be the uh, the first time. Um, is this the, the first of its kind? <laughs> I, I mean, I know, yeah, obviously, you haven't done this before, but... Right. Um, we we did a little bit of research and we found um, some so, so a couple articles from a from three different breweries across the country okay. that had some mention of this. Um, I'm not sure to what level they did it. Um, so as far as we know, in Ohio, at the very least, we're the first to try it, and for the most part, I think in the United States, at least um, with this methodology. Yeah. So uh, did those who have also tried it? Uh, what was the what was the verdict? Uh, I don't know, and I don't know that they've even served their beer <laughs> okay. yet. So I'm not sure. All right, so I'm not sure. so who yeah. knows? This uh, now you're going to make yeah. you're actually going to make this available uh, for uh, what uh, craft brew week? Um, yeah, American Craft Beer Week, which okay. starts May 15th. Okay, so on May 16th is Tuesday when we open for the week. We'll be serving this beer, so we're going to launch it on May 16th, and yeah, we're we're excited to have everybody come in and try this this ale that AI made. Of course, you know, ChatGPT and AI can't come in and actually physically make the beer for us so mm -hmm. we're in there making the beer but um but you know beyond that yeah this is yeah so what was uh the reaction of others when you shared with them hey this is what i want to do did anybody kind of look at you cockeyed uh usually excitement from anybody you know that when we've been talking about this people are like oh that's super cool that's neat that's weird but you know you get some people are like oh man ai is scary you know you get that reaction yeah. too like what is going to happen with AI? Is it, you know, are, are brewers going to be using it to make all their recipes? And well, specifically as a brewer, no, because, you know, I don't want, you know, uh, an AI writing my beer recipes for yeah. me. But yeah. Well, that was that was actually one of the things that I thought is that, um, you know, uh, craft breweries and micro brews uh, are are 
at their heart the 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 personalized kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this yep. this does sound more like a something a big brewer would do using computers and you know one of those big Oh, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure the Miller Coors of the world could not only have ChatGPT make them the recipe, <laughs> then they would program it into their fancy system for right. it to brew them exactly. you know, without ever touching it. No, we're never we're not going to go that way. This this the, the 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 funnest part about brewing is actually coming up with the flavor profile, the recipe, the hops, everything I want to do that we want to do to make a beer and then make it with our hands. So so w- even though you haven't tested this, uh, and this would be the first time you're actually uh, making it, what can you tell us about it? What uh, you know? What can you tell us about this particular ale? Uh, so it's 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 going to be a pale ale, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's going to have uh, a base malt in it. It's going to have some flaked oats, a little bit of caramel malts. So you know, kind of have a little body, a little sweetness, and it's brewed with Centennial, Cascade, and dry hopped with a Citra. So that the, the Cascade, Centennial, and Citra are all hops. Mm-hmm. So very uh, so very interesting. And and how how close uh, is this to something that maybe you've had in the in the back of your mind because you've tried a number of and you've brewed a number of different recipes uh, over the years. Um, yeah. You know when the when the uh, computer spits this out when the chatbot spits this out. Uh, did you say to the back of your mind that oh this is actually fairly close to something I had been thinking of or you know, something like that? Well, yeah, I mean you know there's a lot especially with pale ales there's a lot of basic kind of structure to mm-hmm. those kind of beers. Yeah, um, and this follows a fairly basic structure with a fairly basic kind of hot profile. So you know it's within line of what a pale ale. You know there's there's rules to if you want to follow the rules to what a pale ale should be. Yeah. So this follows those rules. So you know I I it said put this hop in at this time, this hop in at this time, and I was like, all right, great, I'll take it. Let's do it. Let's see what that <laughs> you came up with. And then the other fun thing about this whole part is that you know we also use ChatGPT to write our news release for this. Mm-hmm. So the news release came out, and then we're you know when we post make a uh, an Instagram post. We've had ChatGPT write that and the beer blurb, and I'm actually going to use an AI image tool just for fun on our poster, you know, that hangs in the brewery on our, our beer sign. We'll have a little Thirsty Narwhal. The name of the beer is Thirsty Narwhal. Which the, the, the ChatGPT came up with that yeah, as well. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, AI came yeah, up I with said, that, that as well. ChatGPT gave me a whole list. And I said, give me your favorite one. I said, I can't give you a favorite one. I'm not a person. And I was like, I need you to give me a favorite one. And I said, all right, I'll give you this one. And so anyway, so we'll, you know, we'll do a little AI tool tool to kind of kind of package the whole thing together. It so. sounds like it's been uh, really, really fun to uh, come up with all of this. How how long did this uh, process take? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it took me, you know, 20 minutes to sit there and mess wow. around with it, kind of spit wow. out something that I wanted to do. But we've I've gone I've gone back in there, too. Like, we'll probably redo the blog post and say, hey, can we tweak our blog yeah. post? And, you and, know, we'll go and play with it. But And how how does that compare with the amount of time that it usually takes you to come up with uh, a recipe of your own? Yeah. Um, so I would say it depends on the recipe. So if I'm making an IPA or a pale ale or, you know, some recipes that have a pretty basic structure and I just want to play with the hot profile in it, mm-hmm. I can maybe come up with something pretty quick. Yeah. But if yeah. I'm researching a new style or something I haven't done, I could take a couple hours, a whole day. Like yeah. I could take days to research what I want to do to put into that beer. So yeah, chat GPT spits it out in you yeah. know, 30 so, seconds. So there you go. Let's do this. You know, it's, you wonder, is this really the proper use of artificial intelligence technology? But why not? <laughs> You know, why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, we'll look, beer. we'll look forward to uh, tasting it uh, here again. It'll be available when? 
Uh, so during American Craft Beer Week, which is start, which is May, the week of May fifteenth, May 15th. so our beer will be available on May sixteenth, Tuesday, May sixteenth. Okay. we'll tap it that day. Yep. We will uh, definitely circle that on the calendar because I, I can't wait to uh, find out what this uh, actually tastes like, and uh, I guess everybody will find out. <laughs> well, you'll have to invite <laughs> me in the studio. I'll bring you a beer. There we, we go. Sit, we can- <laughs> there yeah, we there. go. <laughs> Aaron Osborne with the uh, Findlay Brewing Company uh, with their AI beer that they will uh, begin brewing today and in honor of uh, National Beer Day. Aaron, thanks very much for taking some time and uh, best of luck with it. Thank you. So again, we were mentioning this a little bit earlier, and this is just a mind-boggling number to me. On average, Americans will eat and decorate, although not necessarily in that order, more than 3 billion, billion eggs during the Easter season. From your family's backyard Easter egg hunt to the White House Easter egg roll, the holiday certainly would not be the same without them. And joining us this morning is the president and CEO of the American Egg Board, Emily Metz. And Emily, I'm guessing this is far and away your busiest time of the year, right? With all of the ways that people celebrate with eggs during the Easter and Passover seasons. It is our busiest time for sure. This is egg season and we are excited about it. <laughs> we, we could not love Easter and Passover in the spring more than we do. There's a lot of amazing ways to celebrate this season with eggs. So it is it is a happy time. Uh, so as long as you got the egg pun started, I'll uh, continue on that uh, uh, in that tradition. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm curious, uh, as an expert that you are, what is uh, maybe the most creative way that you've seen people use eggs in their celebration? Do you have a favorite? I don't know that I have a favorite. I love them all, but I will say there's a lot of new uh, new ideas coming out this year. The Pantone color of the year this this year is Viva Magenta. So we've got a lot of tips for making your eggs pretty and pink, which might appeal to some of our younger uh, our younger listeners who are looking to decorate their eggs pretty and pink. We've also got people who are flower pressing flowers and then putting those pressed flowers on their Easter eggs, hmm. decorating those. And then, of course, my, one of my favorite ways to enjoy eggs this season is, of course cooking for loved ones, for friends and family. We've got a lot of great recipes, new recipes, Japanese souffle pancakes, egg custard tarts. We've got egg salad lobster rolls, which sound unbelievable. Those are all on our website, incredibleegg.org. Lots of ways to get inspired this season. And then on a serious note, and I think this is really cool, so I want to make sure that we point this out. Uh, You are, and by you, I mean uh, America's Egg Farmers, are making sure that everyone can enjoy eggs this holiday. Yep, that they are. This is something that is really special uh, for me to be able to talk about on behalf of our farmers. So every every month, month in, month out, our farmers give to their local food banks. And already this year, just as part of kind of their normal giving plan, they have already donated 15, over 15 million eggs to food banks coast to coast. But they really felt like this season in particular, they wanted to make sure everyone could celebrate with eggs. So the two weeks leading up to Easter, so last week and this week, they've donated more than 5.5 million eggs to food banks around the country and also some refrigerators as well. So we are partnered with an organization called Hatch. Hatch helps to uh, facilitate donations of eggs and other proteins 
to food banks, and they also work to solve real problems. And one of the biggest issues facing food banks today is refrigeration. They just don't have the capacity to store proteins like eggs, which are some of the most requested items. And so we're bringing those refrigerators to them through this new partnership. Our farmers are really, really proud of that and and making sure that no one goes without this season. That is awesome. You know, I'm thinking between uh, the millions uh, that are being donated and the millions upon millions that are being purchased, uh, this that's some that makes for some very tired chickens, I would think. It, uh. <laughs> Now, our hens are busy. They're happy, <laughs> healthy, but they are certainly busy, that's for sure. Uh, now, we mentioned the White House Easter egg roll, and I would guess that getting to be a part of that is maybe one of the coolest perks of your job, personally, because this literally is a tradition that dates back over a century. It is. It is indeed. This is my third year participating as president and CEO, but it's our 46th year presenting the first lady with a commemorative egg. And so our farmers came together 46 years ago and said, we would really like to honor America's first ladies. I personally don't think they get enough love. They do so much for our country, so much for, you know, causes and projects that they put their, put their mind to. And it's really incredible to be able to honor them this year. Of course, Dr. Jill Biden will be presented with the egg again. And this year's egg is really dedicated to her passion for a learning, her passion for children she just loves children. And so on the outside of the egg, you, you'll you see a uh, young lady climbing a ladder of books, reaching for the stars. And then on the inside, which is, I think, really neat, um, we have a smaller egg. Both of these are real chicken eggs, but a smaller egg that is laid by an adolescent hen called a pullet. And that egg is hand-painted with an Easter scene. And so you have an egg inside of an egg. Wow. Like a little... It is quite incredible. That is, uh, I, I was going to ask about uh, this year's commemorative egg because I heard that it was uh, very unusual. What was the inspiration uh, behind that? Well, we have egg artists across the country, if you would believe it, called eggers who lit who literally use the egg as their canvas. That is their medium. We have some that carve it, some that paint, some that decoupage. This artist, this year's artist, Carolyn Bickle, from Nashville, Tennessee. Her specialty is this style of egg art, which is called Jewel Box. So it it, it opens up and there's a scene on the inside. And so she uh, really wanted to do this egg for the first lady. We worked with her, of course, to incorporate education and lifelong learning. And she just knocked it out of the park. It's absolutely stunning. So you mentioned as we come up on the uh, holiday uh, that you have, and really, uh, especially the recipes are good for uh, any time of the year, but you have uh, all kinds of egg stuff uh, on your website, everything you could possibly need uh, for your Easter Passover celebrations online, right? We do, incredibleegg.org or on Instagram, at incredibleegg. A lot of people forget, but you can also, don't let those hard-boiled eggs that you've dyed and decorated go to waste. Turn them into egg salad. Next week is National Egg Salad Week following Easter. So don't forget to, to use those eggs for some delicious egg salad, and you can find great recipes for that on our website, IncredibleEgg.org. And, of course, we will link that up on our webpage as well, so folks can find that. Uh, again, Emily Metz is President and CEO of the American Egg Board with us this morning. Emily, thanks very much for taking the time, and uh, certainly happy Easter. Happy Easter to you, too. Thanks so much. Goodmornings.net uh, for that link at our webpage. And so by the numbers, as we mentioned, three billion plus eggs uh, to be consumed and decorated, uh, decorated and or consumed more than three billion eggs 
240 million dozen will be purchased during the Easter season. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, talk about incredible eggs. Those are incredible numbers here. But now, I don't know if you saw this, apparently the potato people want to get in on some of the action here. (laughs) This idea started as a meme back earlier in the year, but Potatoes USA is hopping on the trend thinking that maybe the uh, cost of eggs this year uh, might inspire folks to decorate potatoes instead. (laughs) Egg prices are up something like 55% this year, while potato prices are up as well, but only by about 13.5%. So the value is there, they say, in potatoes. And those on Team Potato claim that The spuds are easier to handle and less fragile. And so that makes them a better (laughs) alternative to eggs. (laughs) They're not as smooth. They're not as even. They're not as pretty as an egg, the texture of a potato. But uh, I don't know. If you feel like giving the uh, Easter Bunny uh, a healthy dose of protein and starch, (laughs) there you go. So, uh, you know, if you... (laughs) If you want, you can try the potato thing. I'm just saying. Again, goodmornings.net to learn more all about the incredible edible egg. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A Tennessee family is asking for the public's health in locating, uh, the public's help, that is, in locating their pet kangaroo. (laughs) You heard that correctly. Their pet kangaroo, Bo. A nine-month-old kangaroo escaped through a door that had been left open in the home. Todd Watson posted a plea for help on social media. He and his wife bought Bo from an exotic pet sale in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, When asked, he said, I wouldn't say it's actually like losing a child, but it's pretty close. He said, it's like losing a child. Kangaroo. Uh, Believe it or not, a permit is not required to own a kangaroo in Tennessee. It is perfectly legal. (laughs) A kangaroo. It's just not one of those things you hear about lost dogs or lost cats. But a pet kangaroo. Be on the lookout. Uh, They're in uh, Cookville, Tennessee. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning. (laughs) Off to a roaring start. Uh, The story of Michael Rohana. He has pleaded guilty to stealing the thumb of a terracotta statue on display in Philadelphia. Uh, The incident happened back in 2017. Why it's taken this long to get to a plea deal, I have no idea. Mr. Rohana, uh, who at the time was 24 years old, described the incident as a drunken mistake. (laughs) Aren't they all? Apparently, there's security footage of the incident, which shows Mr. Ohana taking a selfie with the ancient Chinese statue before snapping the thumb off and absconding with it. He stole the thumb. This is a Chinese artifact that is like 2,000 years old and valued at something like $4.5 million, this statue. So... I mean, I guess grand theft of a thumb is a real thing in this case. 
He faces a maximum of two years in prison and a $20,000 fine. It doesn't say whether the thumb was ever recovered. So, can you imagine? He got sentenced to two years in prison for stealing a thumb off of a ancient Chinese statue. And tell your cellmates, what are you in for? Uh, I stole a statue's thumb. All right. Uh, uh, story out of, um, well, it doesn't say where there's Boston. Story out of uh, Boston. <laughs> the FBI was left with egg on its face when agents alleg- allegedly bl- busted into the wrong hotel room and interrogated an unsuspecting person during a training exercise earlier this week. (laughs) Apparently, this whole thing was a training exercise, but instead of confronting the intended role player of the the perp, you know, the criminal, uh, the hotel room they were raiding, agents reportedly handcuffed and interrogated a Delta Airlines pilot who had been sleeping on layover. Broke into the wrong hotel room and slapped the cuffs on a pilot who had to be thinking, what in the world is going on? (laughs) The pilot in question was held and interrogated for about 45 minutes before agents realized their error. It has not been revealed how the training team arrived at the wrong room. The FBI, though, did issue a statement saying the Boston division is reviewing the incident. Delta Airlines also issued a statement saying that they would be looking into the incident as well, but I don't know what Delta Airlines can do. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that doesn't seem to be a Delta Airlines issue. <laughs> that's, that's an FBI issue there. Oops! <laughs> that's rather embarrassing. Um, just, a, just, a, just a guess. I'd say they failed the training exercise. They... They need more training. That's the uh, the thing. Elsewhere, a <laughs> little closer to home in the uh, broken news, a Michigan man is behind bars for allegedly impersonating a law enforcement officer. He was caught when he pulled over an actual off-duty police officer. It really is surprising how often this happens. We have these stories pop up every now and then where somebody is impersonating a law enforcement officer and has the misfortune of actually confronting an actual officer in some capacity. Um, Cops say Christian Mansour was driving a silver BMW equipped with red and blue lights near Detroit when he pulled over an off-duty Waterford Township police officer. Mr. Mansour was followed by the officer then to a mobile home park where deputies found him trying to switch license plates between his cars. He tried to run off, but then he was arrested. So that's, I think the uh, first warning sign would be if you are pulled over by a cop in a BMW. When was the last time you saw a law enforcement officer driving a Beamer? (laughs) (laughs) They aren't generally cop cars, not even undercover cop cars generally. And a couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. This is actually kind of cool. A uh, fifth grader in Virginia makes the uh, broken news. He's uh, uh, he spotted an error in his science textbook. 
Uh, Liam Squires, a student at H.M. Pearson Elementary School, uh, noticed that the labels uh, on uh, certain rock formations uh, were mixed up. Uh, There were photos of these rock formations in his science book, and they were labeled, but the labels were wrong. They were uh, two different types of rock formations. The labels were switched in his Exploring Science All Around Us textbook. He notified his teacher, who in turn got a hold of the school's instructional supervisor, and that supervisor then reached out to the publisher, who confirmed the error, and uh, (laughs) Liam got a uh, personal thank you letter from the publisher after noticing the uh, labels were wrong. <laughs> I think the kid has a career in geology. See, again, unlike the FBI agents that broke into the wrong uh, room, failed uh, the training exercise, I think he automatically passes his science class. If, you, if you're smart enough to find an error by the publisher in the textbook, that should be an automatic A in that class, I think. And finally... In the broken news this morning out of Plano, Texas, a toy alligator has a new home. After catching the eye of commuters on Monday morning, city officials received calls about an alligator in the westbound lanes of the George Bush Tollway during rush hour. Caused all kinds of headaches, all kinds of a mess. When they got there, when uh, officers responded, and of course, I'm sure uh, I'm sure animal control and and all of that, thinking there's a gator in the middle of the of the highway, turned out that it was a toy alligator. It was no big deal, <laughs> just a toy, very realistic looking toy alligator. Um, the the cops collected it and turned it over to the local animal shelter, where it says here, <laughs> and this is what makes it really weird. Employees have made the gator part of their Easter display at their office. Because nothing says Easter like a toy alligator. You know what I mean? That's Forget the Easter, but the, the gator ate the Easter bunny, apparently. Uh, there you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Spring is here. I mean, I know the calendar has said spring for a couple of weeks now, but for a lot of folks, it's not truly spring until we get to Easter. And so now we can start thinking about spring and, you know, we do our spring cleaning and, um, you know, we it's almost like we make all of these resolutions once again, uh, sort of like New Year's all over again, because spring we typically think of as the time for uh, the time of renewal, the time for a fresh start, right? Well, apparently, a lot of Americans are taking this very much to heart. Um, millions of people, it says here in this new study of 2,000 adults in uh, in respect to their 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 lives, um, millions, if if you extrapolate out the numbers, 
Millions are ready to switch up almost every aspect uh, of their lives, from their homes to their social lives, fitness levels, and more. The study of 2,000 adults finds that uh, 59% believe that they are in need of some sort of change in their lives. They are in need of 61% go so far as to say that they feel stuck in a rut. You ever felt like that? I think we all have at one point or another. We feel like we're stuck in a rut. 61% say that that's where they are. 59% say they need a serious change in their lives. So what are people most often looking to change? Uh, Some of the common aspects of life that people are uh, keen to alter or improve in the near future Um, obviously their fitness, that's always one of the things, especially as we get into the warmer weather, we're spending more time outside and we're in the season of showing off more skin, right? So we want to look our best because it's harder to hide that with the baggy clothes of winter, right? Um, hairstyle is also a common, uh, item in this survey that people wanted to change. Just a change of hairstyle will give them a better outlook on life, I guess. Um, (laughs) Some people said they they want a new mobile phone, which I think just demonstrates how pervasive uh, mobile technology is in our lives today, that we think we will get out of a rut in our lives by changing our mobile phone. Um, A a new car, uh, cited by a number of uh, folks in this survey, a new car. But what really caught my eye uh, in this survey, 30% say that they are searching for a new job, okay, 30%, and some surveys suggest that number is actually much higher. But check this out. 12% admit that what they really want to do is find a new partner. (laughs) Really? Really? Wow. Now that is is stuck in a rut right there. That is a fresh start uh, on (laughs) an exponential scale. 12% admit they want to find a new partner. For the spring. I don't know. Make of that what you will. There you go. Once again, my wife, uh, Kyra, has uh, joined us in the uh, studio. We're in the home studio today, and Kyra's kitchen is already a busy place. <laughs> yep, getting ready for getting Easter. Getting ready for Easter. <laughs> getting ready for the holiday gathering and yep. the holiday feast and all yep. of that. So yes. we're doing uh, some very unconventional things uh, yes. for Easter. Yes. And, uh, Making my life easier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we actually have a, a collection of Easter recipes that uh, also might be a little bit yeah. uh, unconventional, yeah. a little different if yeah. you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe doing something a little out of the ordinary yeah. for Instead Easter. Ham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anybody can do an Easter ham. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have a slow cooker balsamic brown sugar pork roast. Yes. So this is two to three pound uh, pork loin roast, one teaspoon of dry Italian seasoning, one tablespoon of brown sugar, uh, half a teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of pepper, uh, half a teaspoon of garlic powder, quarter cup of apple cider vinegar, and a quarter cup of water. Then for the bal- balsamic glaze, 
It's a half a cup of balsamic vinegar, two tablespoons of soy sauce, one garlic clove minced, and two tablespoons of brown sugar. So in a small bowl, combine your Italian seasoning, your brown sugar, your salt, pepper, garlic powder, and then you're going to rub that on all sides of your pork roast. Um, then over high heat, add one to two tablespoons of oil. Um, I also do um, like a tablespoon of butter. I don't know. It just kind of gives it a little good okay. taste. All um, right. I use my cast iron skillet. Then once the skillet is very hot, carefully add the pork roast and sear on all sides. Uh, about 15, um, 10 to 15 seconds um, until each side is crusted. So, so it doesn't, doesn't take, take very that long. long. Yeah. No, no, you just want to get it kind of crusted. Uh-huh. Uh, then transfer your roast to a crock pot along with apple cider vinegar and water. Cook on low heat for about seven to eight hours. Uh, when done, the pork will be very tender and yeah, pull apart will. easily with yeah, a fork. About 15 minutes before you're ready to eat the roast, make the balsamic glaze. Add all balsamic glaze ingredients to a saucepan. Cook over medium-low heat um, until uh, the, sauce will, the sauce will thicken up and it'll turn into a glaze. Um, then strain frequently for about 10-15 minutes. Remove pork from crock pot and serve with the balsamic mm, glaze. Man, I'll tell you, that just sounds yummy. Yeah. Uh, for Easter or whenever. Yes. I mean, that's just a uh, terrific recipe for yep. the uh, slow cooker balsamic brown sugar pork roast. Yep. And you're using your crock pot and you're not heating up your house with an oven. <laughs> but you are uh, creating a just an incredible aroma, yeah. I would yeah. think. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's you're going to have uh, everybody hungry uh, mm-hmm. by the time it's uh, time to eat. Now, uh, also have a recipe for 30-minute dinner rolls. Yes. Okay. So one and a quarter cup of warm water, a half a cup of sugar, two tablespoons of active dry yeast, and one-third cup vegetable oil, one teaspoon of salt, one egg, and three and three-fourths cups of all-purpose flour. So line a nine-by-13-inch baking pan with parchment paint, paper or lightly grease it. Uh, then in a bowl of a stand mixer, your electric mixer, uh, combine the um, hot water, the warm water, the sugar and the yeast. And then you're going to um, allow that to proof all by itself for about two to five minutes. And it's going to get like kind of a, a foamy look okay. to it. All right. um, and that's what you want. Again, won't take very long. No. No, but then add in oil, salt, egg, and flour, one cup at a time. Uh, Mix with the stand mixer until all combined. Let your stand mixer do the work. Let it knead the dough. So you're going to use your dough hook uh, for about four minutes. That's all. Your dough is still going to be soft. You don't want, with these dinner rolls, you don't want your dough to get real firm. You want it to be soft because you want the nice fluffy dinner rolls. Okay. Okay. So if so, it gets too hard, they'll just be right. like a thicker, clump, yeah, a thicker, uh, thicker dinner yeah, roll. So. Dinner roll. So okay. um, if you need to add a little bit more flour um, to the dough, add a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, and then, um, then you're going to grease up your hands either with some cooking spray or some oil. Uh, and uh, then you're going to shape your dough into 15 individual balls. Place the dough into your prepared 9 by 13 inch baking, baking dish. 
um, and then cover it with a dish towel. Preheat your oven to 375 degrees and place the pan on top of the oven because that's kind of a warm base to let your um, rolls rise. While um, it's preheating. Mm-hmm. So, yep. okay. Yep. All right. So, and then bake in the preheated oven for about 20 minutes. Um, and if you want, you can remove it from, after that, remove it from the oven and top it with a little bit more melted butter. Melted and butter there. And enjoy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. By the way, when you uh, put it in the uh, oven, take the towel. towel off. Well. I'm just after, saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you, you have it, to be very explicit yes. with people. Yes. When you bake it, don't put your towel yeah, in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to be just pretty. Just when it's preheating there <laughs> yes. and you're uh, well, putting cover, it over there yeah, to you're gonna cover, cover it, to, it so it can rise. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing you can do is if you um, if you don't have like a, a towel, um, you are a towel that's that doesn't have like the cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use like saran wrap. Okay, but you got to take that off too. Yeah, obviously you want to do yes. that before you put it in the uh, in the oven, or that will not end well. No, but uh, no. So the thirty uh, minute dinner rolls, yes. and uh, we have a recipe for pickled deviled eggs. Yep, this is so I again have... a little bit different, a little bit than different. your t- typical mm-hmm. uh, deviled eggs, pickled yep. deviled eggs. Yep. So I'm doing this right now. My uh, just got done with my eggs. So uh, twelve hard boiled eggs. A quarter cup of mayonnaise, a quarter cup of sour cream, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, one tablespoon of fresh lemon juice, half a teaspoon, half a teaspoon of dried dill weed, quarter teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of pepper, and then paprika for garnishment if you like. And then your marinade is a one jar of beets, uh, and then you're going to separate that one cup of water and one cup of white vinegar. So um, cut egg lengthwise. In half, remove yolks to medium boil. Reserve 20 white halves. Finally, chopped remaining your remaining four white halves. Uh, mash your yolks with a fork. Add finely chopped uh, the, the whites. Mayonnaise, sour cream, mustard, lemon juice, salt, and pepper. Mix that all well. Then add your dill and then mix that. Cover and refrigerate. Uh, drain your beets. Reserve the juice about two-thirds cup, uh, set beads aside, beets aside for, for whatever you want to use. I'm okay. just going to put mine the in the bowl. Right. You're not using Be- those in the eggs. So I'm just going to uh, serve them on the side tomorrow for Easter. Just the, the liquid, the yeah. juice. Yeah, you just want the yeah. juice for this okay. recipe. All right. Um, then pour the beet mixture over the eggs, cover tightly, refrigerate for at least several hours or overnight, uh, turn occasionally if you I have like a, I have mine in like a plastic uh, with a tight lid and I'll just kind of shake it a little bit to okay. move the eggs around All right. um, then remove the uh, purple eggs from the beet mixture pat them dry with a paper towel and then spoon uh, about a heaping t- tablespoon of yolk mixture into each of your reserved egg whites um, I only did half and half I did not do all of my eggs with the d- beets Okay. I just part of mine. Okay. And then garnish with pa- paprika and, as desired. And again, because they, they will turn purple, it'll be yeah. easy to tell which ones oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. have been pickled and yep. and which ones haven't. Right. But, yeah. So uh, you can try that uh, as well. So the recipes for the slow cooker balsamic brown sugar pork roast, yep. the pickled deviled eggs, yep. and the 30-minute dinner rolls yep. are all posted on the... Uh, WFIN Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN uh, on Facebook. You'll find the recipes there. 
Uh, if uh, you want to uh, share your uh, favorite recipe with us or you want to kind of weigh in and mm-hmm. maybe you've done something yeah. unique with these yeah. recipes or uh, have a request, anything like that, uh, follow the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page uh, for lots more and uh, ways to interact with yes. uh, Kyra's Kitchen at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. It's also linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife Kyra with us this morning getting ready for Easter yes. already. Have a good Easter, everybody. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Happy Easter. We'll catch you back here next week.